Let me encourage you today to take your copy of God's Holy Word and turn to the book of Acts. Exactly right. We're going to be looking into the book of Acts. And uh, we, my wife said, do you think you'll finish Acts before Christmas? I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll get there eventually. We will probably be in Acts in Christmas, but I hope that we're actually coming to a close. And we want to talk about, obviously we'll be talking about the Christmas story at Christmas, but isn't the book of Acts talking about the Christmas story? What was the purpose when uh, the angel told Mary and Joseph about Jesus' coming? He said, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And he shall save his people from their sins. Is God still in the saving business today? Is he still saving people from their sins? So the Christmas story and the Easter story, if you want to say those stories, listen, they're still in play today, every single day of the year. So we're going to see that Paul is actually preaching this story, that he did come, that he was buried, obviously he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul's preaching the good news, we call it the gospel. Paul's preaching the gospel everywhere he goes, and he decides, we talked about last week, he's going back to the towns where they threatened to stone him to death, and where they actually did stone him to death, right? Uh, they took him out of the city, threw him away like rubbish to die, or they thought he was dead. And they had medical personnel back then as well who could check a pulse and see if he was dead. So if they thought he was dead, there's a good chance, guess what? He was dead. He's probably dead. So we're going to see today, we're going to back up. We were supposed to be right into verse 16, but couldn't get there today. Couldn't get out of uh, verse 15. I have to backtrack just a little bit, and uh, Mike will be preaching next week. We'll have the women will be out of town, and my youngest grandson's being dedicated next Sunday. So I'm driving to Greenville, and hear Alex speak, and is it next Sunday? The 11th, yes, that's correct. It is next Sunday. So Wendy's going that way, I'm going that way, and we'll be blessed next Sunday. So we'll um, hear, hear from this. Mike's going to continue. Wherever Mike's going to continue, I don't know where he's going to go, but um, he'll, get, he'll get somewhere. Finish Acts next Sunday. But y'all, listen, as we get into I hope that you're reading ahead and seeing all the different things. This is called a historical narrative that's happening, a biblical narrative that's happening. God's story is being unveiled. The Acts of the Apostles really should be called the Acts of Jesus Christ, right? God's moving during the day. The Holy Spirit's leading them. Well, Paul has this decision. I'm going to go back to the place that I came from. Where the, where the converts were made, where the church was being planted. I'm going to go back and we know that the Great Commission was what? Jesus told his disciples when he was up on the mountain, he said, listen, here's the greatest thing. All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, since I have all authority, I'm going to command you. What's his command? It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, go make disciples of all the nations. And this is what Paul has been doing. Paul has left Jerusalem. He's made disciples on his first missionary journey. He's been up into what's modern-day Turkey. He's traveled some in Europe, and he wants to go to Asia. God's saying, no, you're not going to Asia. And now he's come back home to Jerusalem. He's heard the Jerusalem Council, and guess what? He's fired up. He's made disciples, and then you're supposed to do what to the disciples? Before you teach them, there's one more thing. There's three steps, process. Make disciples, baptize them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then we teach them. It's kind of like the old commercial, they used to say, wash, rinse, and repeat. That's what we talked about this morning in Bible study. This is what happened. And my title, somebody laughed at my title on my sermon today, and you can laugh if you want to, Biblically Living Out a Biblical Salvation. What does that even mean? Today, our culture especially, and in Paul's day, it was happening as well. We know that he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy saying, tell people to quit teaching strange doctrine. And now people come up with some strange stuff today. 
They see a demon in every seat. They see an angel in every corner. I mean, just the craziest of craziest things are said today in the name of being biblically literate. And listen, the only way to be biblically literate is to read it for yourself. You're not going to get all of the Bible listening to me. You don't get all the Bible is to your favorite radio preacher or television preacher. You must get your face into the Word of God so therefore you can actually learn from God Himself. God will teach you. The same Holy Spirit that inspired Paul to write that Word is the same Holy Spirit that will inspire you to understand that Word if you've been born again. And I told you if you come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't understand the Bible, that tells me something about you. What does that tell me about you if you don't understand the Bible? The Bible says a natural person cannot understand the Bible. That means you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. You're, the God of the Bible is not your God. Or it could be that you're not reading it. If you get to the place of reading the Word of God, I want to encourage you today, if you read God's Word for yourself, God will reveal Himself to you through His written Word. It's a commitment that He's made to you and to me. He will reveal Himself. He does not want you to be ignorant. Isn't that true? How many times has Paul written, saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, my brethren? Right? Because even the first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, people were like, we've, we've been told that Jesus has already come back and we've been left behind. Well, how much money did the Left Behind series make here in America and around the world? Tim LaHaye, y'all remember the book and in the movie, Left Behind? Well, someone gave me the first book of the series and said, Pastor, read this. This is awesome. The problem with the Left Behind series is it starts out with a pastor who is left behind. Well, either his senior pastor never preached the gospel or he never went to church. Because I believe if you've actually been, if you heard the gospel, this is the scary thing about being here today and watching by television or wherever you're watching. If you hear the gospel on this side of Jesus' return, I believe the Bible says very clearly that you will not be able to receive the Lord Jesus Christ after his return. You'll believe the Antichrist. You'll believe the lie. And you say, where is that in the Bible? We'll get to that. Read First and Second Thessalonians for yourself and see if God reveals that to you for yourself. Read it in an understanding saying, God, I'm looking for one specific thing. Now, will there be people saved in the, in the uh, seven, day, uh, seven years of tribulation? The answer is yes. There's people who have never heard the gospel still. They'll be saved. There's going to be all kind of things going, angels preaching and, and witnesses and the word of God, 144,000 Jewish uh, uh, preachers preaching. There's going to be a lot of things going on. People will be saved. But friend, if you heard it on this side of Jesus' return, I believe he's going to block your ears and you will not understand. You'll believe the lie of the Antichrist when he comes. You say, well, we'll find out. What a terrible thing to find out, amen? Take God's word, take his truth for what it is. Acts chapter 16, we want to back up just a little bit, and we're going to jump. So we're going to go as quick as we possibly can. And I want you to read, and he's going back to a place. Where's Paul? He's wanting to go to Asia. He wants to go to Asia because Paul has a pioneering spirit. We can see that from just his want-tos. Did you know that your want-tos tell on you? If you want to go do this, you want to go drive a fast car, you want to go sailboat, you want to go do this or that. I found out in America, especially, people will do what they want to do. Is that true? You'll find a way to do what you want to do. If you want to grow in your faith, guess what you will do? You'll cut out time to grow in your faith. You'll read God's Word. You'll be in the house of God. You'll be among God's people. You'll pray. You'll actually learn the things that God wants you to learn. Whatever you want to do in this life is what you'll do. And some people say, well, I want to do that, but I just don't have time. You ever heard people say that? I find out that you make time for the things you want to do. You, so you do the things you want to do, but you make time for the things you want to do. And every time you make time for something, guess what you have to do? You have to give up something else. There's only 24 hours a day. Paul had the same hours we have. You have the same hours I have. We have to give up something to get something else. Isn't that true? And sometimes it's nice when you can actually do both. 
you can learn from the Word of God today by opening up your Bible. And let's look at 16. We're going to skip just a little bit because we want to focus on this lady named Lydia. So the sermon title today is Biblically Living Out a Biblical Salvation. Therefore sailing, verse 11, therefore sailing from Troas, they're setting, where are they heading to? Because remember we said, we said there was this famous call in Christianity, you can, it said over and over again, it's called the Macedonian call. Well, the man in the night vision, Paul had a night vision, if you go back and read before this, saying, listen, come over here. Paul's like wanting to go this way to Asia, and God says, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit says, you will not go to Asia. Not in this trip. But Paul said, but I want to. Two times the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, forbid him to go to Asia. You ever think preachers are hard-headed? Don't answer that. My wife's not here today. She can't answer. She's watching. She's probably amening like this, <laughs> like this at home. Sometimes when God puts it in your heart to win souls, you get excited and want to preach everywhere. Sometimes I used to preach. Anywhere I get, somebody would listen, I want to tell you. And I'm like, I'm going down to the street corner. All those street preachers in New Orleans get me fired up. And what I learned is only go where God sends you. As you're going, that's your divine appointment. Jesus often healed people, but sometimes he would pass 100 people that were sick before he'd heal that one. Blind Barnabas, listen, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, listen, son of David, have mercy on me. And he threw off his cloak, and the people's like, be quiet. And where was Jesus headed to? Y'all know where he was headed to when he, he encountered blind Bartimaeus? He was on his way to Passover, which is, for us, we understand the cross. So is Jesus concerned about a blind man on his way to the cross? The answer is yes. Is Paul concerned about a woman who's a seller of purple down by the riverside? The answer is yes. Is God concerned about Paul as Paul travels? Because how risky was it to set sail? How, how risky was it to actually go by foot across land? How dangerous was it? You could fall off a mountain. You could be robbed. There was all kinds of different things. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. So Paul, let's pick it back up. He's going to Macedonia, verse, uh, verse 12. Let's pick up verse 12. And from there he went to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and where when we were staying in the city for some days. Well, he's got to a city. This would be like Aiken, South Carolina. So he, he's in Philippi, Macedonia. Got it? He's in one city, capital city, a prominent city. And what's going to happen is Paul's looking for that person who said, come over here. You're not him. You're not him. Peter had a very similar, if you've been studying with us through the book of Acts, who was Peter's come over here, help us? His name was Cornelius, remember? And Peter's like, what am I doing? I can't, I've never been to a Gentile's house before. It's unclean for me to be in your house. I can't eat food with you. I can't break bread with you because you're not like us. And I was always taught growing up that I don't hang out with people like you. And yet Peter comes back and preaches to the Jerusalem council. Listen, I preached Jesus to them. They received Jesus Christ. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit at the moment of preaching Jesus. Just like the Holy Spirit fell on us, he fell on them. There's believers over there, no matter where their background's from, they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul's come to the very same place, and he's looking for a place. He's in a city, Philippi, and here he is again. We notice that every Sabbath, Paul is looking for somewhere to preach or teach Jesus. Here's his divine appointment, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, where did Paul typically go on the Sabbath? He went to the synagogue. And who was gathered at the synagogue? The men folk, because ladies were not allowed necessarily to actually, their culture would not let the ladies 
They would be secondary citizens, if you will. The men were primary. The men would go and learn from the rabbis, and then they would go and teach their families. So the women were obviously often there listening, but specifically Paul would go teach to the men because he knew a secret that God knows. God has a plan for every man and his family. And men, listen, if you have a family today, God has a plan that you lead your family in the ways of God. Every man that does not lead his family, listen, is going to give an account to God, holy God, for what he did with his family and with his children. Every man who does is going to give an account. But let me encourage you this morning, brothers, you're going to give an account. Encourage your family, fathers, grandfathers, uncles, men of God, encourage those. Titus, we read some of the scriptures this morning. Older men are supposed to teach whom? The younger men. Have you done that? Older men, have you taken one boy, one young man, and taught him anything about the gospel of Jesus Christ in this church right here? If you haven't, you have broken the command of God. You say, well, Pastor, that's heavy. I know. I know. How about ladies? Older women, you're supposed to do what? Teach the younger. And it's not talking about age. You don't have to have gray hair to teach. It's talking about maturity in the gospel. Ladies, if you haven't taken one young lady in this church and mentored her for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you have failed in the command of God to actually make disciples of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, how's that? I'm talking specifically here. You might be reaching people out there. But guess what? Listen, the storehouse, the house of God's where it begins. You must begin here. You say, well, I feel like a failure when I leave church today. Good. Then maybe you'll do something about it. Amen? I didn't write those words. Those are the words of God. You have responsibility, you have responsibility, you have responsibility, you have responsibility, and you have responsibility, and those of you who are sitting at home have responsibility of making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a hard thing to do. It's an impossible thing to do. And you say, can God use me? Well, he's the one that saved you. And if he saved you, he has a plan and purpose that you would bring him glory by sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the world. That's why the church looks so weak today. We used to say, have words for people that were that way. Sometimes I just can't. You don't understand. I'll lose my job. Well, let me show you a lady who's going to lose her influence. She potentially can lose a lot of her job. I'm going to show you this lady. Her name is Lydia. We want to get to Lydia because she is only mentioned briefly in Scripture, but she's a powerful, powerful instrument in the hands of God working with these men, with these preachers. And customarily, by the way, they went down to the river to pray. You ever heard the song? Went down to the river to pray. Well, that's not, the, that's not specific for this, but they would go to the river. The Jewish custom was Ezekiel went down to the river. Daniel went down to the river. People would actually find peace and solace at the river. Only if there was no synagogue. So obviously there's not enough men to make up a synagogue, and a synagogue is just a small teaching area. So the second place you would go if there was no synagogue in town, you'd go down to the river. That was a Jewish custom. You could, it's acceptable that you'd go down to the river to pray. So guess where these preachers went? If you're going to preach the gospel and you want to find people of like kind, where do you go? Down to the river. So here we go down to the river. Who are we going to find at the river? There's ladies down there. And listen, there's more than one woman. But there's only one woman that stands out in the crowd. Somebody today might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and everybody hears the same message, but God might be speaking very specifically to you that you have a task to do today no matter who you are, man or woman, but I want you to see this woman. All these women are down by the river to pray. Now a certain woman, here we go, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. She was a saleswoman. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. She worshipped him as a Jew. She worshipped him in his Old Testament as best she knew how. 
the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she, had, she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. A lot of our friends that are Reformed today would take the jailer that we're going to read about in a week or two and take Lydia and say, See, when one person can save, there's a covenant with God, and therefore, since God has chosen her, she was baptized in her whole household. Therefore, because she believed, her whole household believed. And they're good with God. Brothers and sisters, listen, every single person, everybody has a name, every name has a soul, and every soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. Amen? Every soul that has that name is responsible for their destination. Between them and the Lord. Your grandma can't save you. You can't ride the coattails of your daddy into heaven. It doesn't happen that way. I don't care how many times you went to church. I don't care how many times you've said vacation Bible school, Sunday school, discipleship. It doesn't matter if you sing in the choir, preach from the pulpit. You will not go to heaven unless you've been born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb? Very sarcastic comment to Jesus. But he was an older man as my age or older, asking the question because he did not understand the spiritual things. And Jesus clearly said, hey, let me just tell you like this. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. I'm trying to tell you supernatural things, and you're talking on a natural level. Some of your friends, when you share the gospel, if God's told you to share the gospel with them, they might bring it all the way down to the natural and make fun of you. What do you do? You don't cast your pearls before the swine. Don't, don't actually get to the place where they just mock you over and over again. If God told you, do it. But if you're just going to a place and people are making fun of you at work because you talk about being a follower of Jesus Christ, if you go to a place and your family makes fun of you, the Bible says, listen, stop. Don't cast your swine before the pearl, uh, your pearls before the swine. Don't let those people ridicule just over and over again and mock you because you're actually getting nowhere. If God tells you to go, you go do it. Because he says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. But if he doesn't tell you to go into a situation and you try to share and you get pushed back like that, then I would encourage you to leave the situation. If it's a family reunion, if it's a workplace, if it's in a, with a professor at university. How many university new students are going into the university today? Our Christian families are sending their students into the university. And those crazy professors who are atheists who don't believe anything about God are telling them that your family is just a bunch of country bumpkins or a bunch of fools because they teach you this, this silly, silly mess that there's a man called Jesus, that he's the savior of the world. How foolish can you be? And then they'll track down the kids and say, have you ever seen this Jesus? Have you ever spoken out loud to this Jesus? They'll go through and mock the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 14, 1, only a fool says in his heart there is no God. These professors that are standing before our kids and trying to take them away from their faith are a bunch of fools. Amen? They might have your PhD, but you're permanent head damaged fools, which you are, if you don't believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is Savior. Amen? There is a God. He's on his throne. And we won't relegate because some stupid people want to come up and say he's not real. He's changed my life. Listen, my Redeemer lives. Amen? Your Redeemer lives today, church, and it's something we should stand up and proclaim to the world. Jesus lives. And Jesus saves. Another sermon for another day, but let's get back to this. Listen, take your notes. I want you to see this because this is powerful that you can take with you as you go. Take these notes. I try to make them as simple as possible, yet it's pretty powerful to see what God's done. As Paul traveled back to the churches he had helped start on his first missionary journey, which means he's on what journey? Second missionary journey. God added to his plans. Paul had many credentials during his life, but his most cherished achievement was, listen, 
his most cherished achievement. Paul would have been a PhD for sure today. Paul was born of a tribe of Benjamin. He, he was first class if you want to see his credentials. But his favorite thing was he was a faithful follower of Jesus. He finished well. Go over with me. Sometimes I give you reference. We don't go there. I want you to see what Paul said of himself before we get to Lydia. Because Lydia is a very important person. But I want you to see the one who's preaching. He's discharging his duties. He's biblically living out his biblical salvation. Would you agree? Would you agree? Because some people say, listen, y'all know people. There's people who, who it, it drives me crazy if I see somebody wearing a military uniform and the patches are all wrong. What's it called? Stolen valor. You want to burn up a veteran quicker than anything if he's any knowledge of anything? It makes me want to whip somebody behind if you want to know what my flesh says, okay? But I'm a pastor, so I can't say that from church. But it bothers me greatly when someone starts wearing the patches and stripes and trying to walk around and say, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. And I know the 20-hour days that I put in every single day trying to keep this country, listen, up and about as best I could doing my job. I swore the oath. I said I would stay up. I said I would do the things, and I did it. But see some knucklehead walking around with a uniform, and trying to make like they're a veteran. Thank you for your service. Or the tattoos, or have a, a have, anyway, I, I go on and go on. Because it happens when there's doctors, right? People are faking like they're a doctor. Uh, Trey just put a crown. I'm, now you can call me King Clint if you'd like to. I have a crown. But people who fake like they're a dentist. Do you want to fake in the dentistry world? Do you want to fake when it comes to your cancer doctor? Do you want to fake when it comes to anything in your life? Let me tell you, the world don't want a fake Christian either, amen? They want you to live a biblical life before them because you say there's only one way and his name is Jesus Christ and everybody's got to come through him to get to heaven is what he said, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If that's true and we're preaching that and then we turn right back around and we tell filthy jokes or we curse or we carry on, we shame the name of Jesus Christ. We bring about a fraud to the gospel. God forbid. Or we teach some strange doctrine. Paul told Timothy, listen, you tell those people in the church that are teaching that strange teaching, those strange doctrines, to shut their mouths. The gospel comes, listen, here's where we get our doctrine from. Go read it for yourself. You say, Pastor, is that in the Bible? 1 Timothy chapter 1, read for yourself what Paul tells Timothy. You tell them to keep their mouths shut. And those women who are running around with wives' tales, you tell them to quit that idle chatter. He says, is that heavy in the church? Yeah. Is that hard to preach? Not really, because God said it. Amen. You say, if that offends me, well, good, maybe you'll change. If you sin, listen, if you're stuck in the mud and somebody comes by and says, hey, I'll pull you out, and you go, no, I'm good, I like it in here. <laughs> Next person comes by, I'll pull you out. No, I like it right here like this. You're stuck in the mud. Spiritually, you can do the same thing. My Redeemer lives, and then on Monday, you act like he's dead or doesn't exist. God forbid that we live, that's why the church is so weak today. Well, the church is strong. The church of God is strong. It's alive. But the people who are faking, that come in the doors that fake it, they're the ones that make the church appear to be weak. And they're like, hey, that bothers me when you say things like that. Awesome. Amen? If it bothers you, that means there's something in your heart that's triggering you saying, I need to change that because he's talking about me. I run my mouth like everybody else. I gossip about anybody else. I roast everybody I can get in contact with because that's just my nature. Well, change your stinking nature. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ said, listen, Paul says, all things have become what? New, even your mouth. And if your mouth hadn't become new, your soul might not have either. This is heavy lifting, y'all, but this is straight from the Word of God. If we would just read it for ourselves. 
Watch this. Go back and look at your notes. God gave Paul a vision. We call it the Macedonian call. God is faithful. Is that true? Paul immediately responded to the call of God. He was faithful. It's like us saying today, hey, God's calling you to pick a spot. Colorado. Where? I don't know. Colorado. Okay. We're on our way out there. And it was like, we're going to go while we're over there. We're going to go roll up to, uh, we're going to go over and go over to North Dakota. No, you're not. The Holy Spirit says, nope, you're going to Colorado. Well, it's on the way. I would just, we'll just buzz right through and get on up. No, you're not going, says the Lord. So Paul just rolls up as, as close as he knows to go. He goes to Macedonia. Where am I supposed to go? We can't find. It's the Sabbath. We can't find the synagogue anywhere. Well, where would Jewish people go if they were not in synagogue? If there's no synagogue in town, no address of a synagogue, they punched it in Google, where's the nearest synagogue, and it didn't show up, where would you go? If you knew the Jewish custom, which Paul did because he was a Jew, where would he know to go? Down to the river. He goes down to the river. He finds women there praying. And he runs into this one lady. Her name is Lydia. She was a saleswoman. She obviously had a business. She was a pretty smart woman. Let's watch what she does. This is pretty awesome to see. As was his custom, Paul preached and taught about Jesus. He and his companions traveled to the river where prayers were customarily made. Notice, notice your notes. The disciples spoke with the women who'd gathered for prayer. And who were they praying to? They were praying to God. They'd come to the place. They didn't know about Jesus yet. They might have heard about him, but then no one had actually explained the gospel to them to this point. One woman listened to the words of God, and her name was Lydia. And then I want you to see, keep going in your notes. The disciples spoke with the women who gathered for prayer. Lydia was a seller of purple garments. And I put something funny in your notes. If You, you can take exception with them if you want to. How would you do the, how would you do the biblical garments? I mean, the garments of purple? Thyra Tyre, by the way, they found, the archaeologists have found actually inscriptions of there's a dyer's guild, a craft of dyeing this certain purple because only royalty wore the purple. It was expensive to use, uh, to make, and they would take white linen and they would dye it. And guess what they would dye it? They were not environmentalists. They wouldn't fit in well today. Guess what they dyed it? After they prayed, guess what they would probably have done later when, after the hours? They probably would have been dyeing that purple in the river, all right? So her hands probably were purple. She was a seller. It doesn't say she died it herself. So there's likely she had servants that did this for her. But she was a servant. She has a house. We know that we have, she has a house. It tells us in the Word of God. And so she's a business lady. And what happens if a business person becomes a Christian? Whose business is it before she becomes a Christian? What's well, God's? Now, trick question. It was, it was God's. But who was she using it for? Herself. It's what profits me, right? And the more money you make, of course, what do you have to do when you make a whole lot more money in the American culture? It, it just happens. You just do it. You've you got to spend more, right? Of course. You make more, you've got to spend more. You've got to build bigger houses and bigger barns. Is there a story in the Bible about that of a rich man saying, look how many crops I have today. I'm going to tear my barn down and build bigger barns instead of giving it away. And the Lord said, you fool, tonight I require of you your soul, Right? So be careful just because God blesses you. It doesn't mean he wants you to have necessarily a bigger house. Are we, are we tracking together? Now, he might because you might use it for his glory. But usually the more stuff that you have, the more stuff has you. Is that true? Y'all been there, done that? Y'all been there, done that? Only the baby said amen. <laughs> I want you to see this look. 
God opened Lydia's heart to hear and understand the gospel. The Bible says right there very clearly, she heard it and she understood it. Look at verse, uh, if you would, go back to verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. You and I today, we read Paul in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. We read there's 13 epistles or letters that he wrote to the churches. We know that Paul taught what? Did Paul teach that works-based will get you into heaven? No, it didn't. he did not teach that. We, we read it last week, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, right? It's for by grace you have been saved. It's, it's grace and faith. Listen, we talked about the combo. Not of works, so nobody can get to heaven and say, God, I gave a million dollars to the poor. Or God, I did all this my whole life. I never wore even good clothes. I was always had patches because of Jesus. Patches for Jesus. Nothing gets you into heaven except salvation alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? That should have been a big amen, y'all. Should have, should have been right there for that. Nothing gets you into heaven. It's by God's grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen? There's only way to get to heaven. It doesn't matter what you think. Well, I think there's other ways. There's preachers today who was teaching, well, I believe all people go to heaven because we all serve the same God. We do not serve the same God. The Muslim's God is not our God. The, the Mormon's God is not our God. The Jehovah Witnesses' God is not our God. Start picking some people and you'll find out, listen, does it line up biblically? If it does not line up biblically, then their God is not our God. And I say our God, the God of the Bible, because this is where we know him. What's happened is the Bible comes to the place that man will read the Word of God and then add to their other stuff like the Pharisees did and teach you this stuff and teach, teaching you this stuff. If you go and see your Mormon friends, they used to come by door by door and hand out the King James Bible. Do you all remember these days? And by the way, just for the record, I put hand sanitizer on this morning, picked up my old Bible, and look what it did to my hand. It, it bonded my Bible to my hand. So I, that's what that is. I'm not bleeding in case someone's looking. I was asked. But they used to give you a King James Bible, and then they would give you the Book of Mormon. And if you, if you were on engage, you take the Bible and say, okay, what does the Word say? And they said, well, the Word's been corrupted. That's why you have the Book of Mormon. Then why did you give me the corrupted Word? Right? Well, what does the Book of Mormon say about your faith? Well, we don't really teach out the Book of Mormon. We teach out the Pearl of Great Price, which is a third series of books. Do you understand? Every time you step away from this Word, what happens? You're getting a diluted version. If you don't know what that means, today I'd like for you to go home and get you a big glass of, if you like soda, orange juice, whatever you like, milk, whatever it might be, and I want you to put that much of the real thing in and fill the rest of it with water and see what it tastes like. That's what the, that's what the world wants to give you. Yeah, it's a little bit of truth. We say Jesus just like you say Jesus. And we say the Father just like you say the Father. And, and we talk about the Holy Spirit just like you talk about the Holy Spirit, but they have different definitions. And they mean something different. And I told you last week or two weeks ago, if a man says, I saw God the Father standing at the foot of my bed, what does that man become immediately? A liar because he violates the very scripture. Joseph Smith said he saw God the Father standing in his own words, standing at the foot of his bed, and God the Son standing at the foot of his bed, two men standing at the foot of his bed. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. No man has seen the Father and lived. Could Joseph Smith ever have seen the Father? He's a liar, and their whole faith is based on a lie. He said, well, Pastor, that's heavy. Then how else would you shake that salt shaker? Is there any other way to get it out? If it looks like salt and you shake it and it tastes like salt, there's a good chance what? 
then it's salt. So you shake it the way you want to shake it. And you say, oh, I just don't want to talk about people, Pastor. I just don't want to say anything. Listen, stand up against false doctrine in this world we live in today. Amen? Stand on the Word of God. Stand strong for Jesus Christ. And say what God says about a situation. Shake the salt shaker. If it looks like salt, salt shake it. Paul was shaking the salt. Watch this. And I want you to see what happened. Lydia heard and she understood the gospel. She understood the truth that Paul was preaching. God opened her heart to believe, to hear and believe. By the way, how can you hear? Well, I'm just going to walk around and let people see my attitude at work. Well, sometimes you get mad at work, don't you? Hello? And you foul up sometimes. You might punch a machine. You might do something. You do something or say something you shouldn't say. I do it at church just for the record. And I ask for forgiveness, hoping nobody's looking, right? Because my inner nature is still to fight. And God said, you can't fight because I'm getting old. I can't fight with my hands anymore. So what do I fight with? My words. Does it sound like I'm fighting every Sunday when I'm preaching the word of God? I hope it sounds like I'm fighting because I'm telling you on the inside, I'm a Tasmanian devil going crazy wanting to get the gospel out. Amen? I'm fighting to get the gospel out because I want people to be saved, y'all. There's people in our neighborhood. There's people in our families. There's friends, coworkers. There's students. There's professors. There's people that are lost in our neighborhood. And we sit around like this. And we watch football. How many of y'all watch Carolina game? Don't raise your hand. How many hours did you sit in front of that television and watch that game? Then I want to flip it out. How many hours did you spend this week reading God's word, praying through the word of God, praying by yourself? I guarantee you, you spent more time watching commercials at the Carolina game than you did reading the word of God this week. You say, not me? Well, I'm proud of you then. If you're the exception, God bless you. But the majority of the church is sitting on their hands going, woe is me. And it seems like the church is dying. What are, our country is going to pot, Pastor. Well, quit griping and do something about it. Amen? Get on your knees before a holy God and say, God, our nation is crumbling. God, we're headed for disaster. We know what the Word says. But for today, Lord, as long as I'm living, as long as I have breath, I will pray to you and I will ask you for guidance and wisdom that my family would not go the way of Cain, that my friends would not go the way of Cain. Listen, that my nation, my neighborhood, my, my street would not go the way of Cain because of me. I was the man who stood in the gap for my people. And your people might be two people, but your people might be 200. It might be 2,000. It might be 20,000, 200,000. I don't know what your people group your sphere of influence is, but let you be the one person that will stand in the gap and hold on to God and hold on to your friends and do whatever you got to do through the power of the Spirit to bring them together. This is what Paul was doing for Lydia. I want you to take these quick notes. Lydia believed. Lydia believed. Did Paul ever preach a works-based salvation? The answer is no. You have, the, you have his 13 letters. You know what he preached. He told you what he preached. And Jesus said, no one comes to the Father unless the Son, our Spirit, draws them to, uh, draw, they draw them to Him. You can't decide tomorrow you're going to get saved tomorrow. You won't decide. The Spirit of God says, come today. Come for salvation. You say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it later. You don't have that prerogative. Jesus Himself said that. John 6, 44. I gave it to you in your notes. Lydia was baptized. Matthew 28, they fulfilled. They taught her. They made disciples. They baptized her. And they taught her. This is pretty awesome. This is where the church is liking today as well, church. And if this sounds hostile, I'm not trying to be, but let me read it. Lydia exercised her spiritual gifts. She served and she was hospitable. Romans 12, go read those scriptures later. Romans 12 tells you how we should live as Christians. It tells you that God gives each of us a gift, a spiritual gift. We first use that gift here at the storehouse and then we use it out there. And some people aren't even, I don't even know what a spiritual gift is. If I was to interview most of you, come and say, what's your spiritual gift? You go, huh? 
Well, how in the world are you going to use your spiritual gift if you don't even know what your spiritual gift is? And some people say, I didn't even know I had a spiritual gift. If you're a Christian today, you've been given at least one spiritual gift. I give you the scriptures, read it for yourself, and find out at least what, what is your spiritual gift. Or look at Lydia. She, got, she was saved, she received salvation, and she got excited. She was baptized, she followed. Listen, baptism was for obedience, to identify with Christ, not to save her. Because our Church of Christ friend right over here on the, on the hill, right by Aiken Elementary, they're teaching this morning that you got to be saved and baptized. The Duck Dynasty crew, saved and baptized. You ever listen to Phil? Oh, good old Phil. Old country, redneck Phil. And he'll teach you, though, I like his principles, but he'll teach you you got to be saved and baptized at the same time. That makes salvation. That does not equal salvation. It's it. Listen, God's grace coming to you, and by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Y'all remember when Jason, was anybody here when we had, I didn't know Duck Dynasty, what they looked like or who they were, but I, I hosted them here, Jace from Duck Dynasty, when they first started. And he came on, I found out they were Church of Christ, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't care what event we're having, I'm not giving them my pulpit, some Craig's is going to teach another doctrine. And I came to him and I said, listen, I don't know much about you. My son told me, I looked him, I looked him up and said, oh my goodness, who, did I, who am I bringing to the church? I worked with a, the hospital then, back then, to bring him here. It was an awesome event. And I pulled him aside and I said, let me share something with you. I believe there's salvation in Christ alone. If you teach anything different, you teach from my pulpit that you've got to be saved and baptized at the same time. Now, we teach salvation alone. Amen? That gets me to heaven. Baptism is demonstration that we actually show the world that I've given my life to Jesus Christ. So I told Jace, I pulled him back here in the back in the green room. I said, listen, if you preach that, I will cut your mic off and I will escort you off the platform. He said, hey, man, I'm just going to preach Jesus. I said, leave it at that. Preach Jesus. Amen? He's a, he was a cool guy. He did, did well. But they're teaching their church teaches that you're going to be saved and baptized. If I lead you to Christ, our plane's going down over the ocean. Hopefully it's over the ocean. If your plane's going down, I share the gospel with you, and we hit dry land, you're still going to heaven. Amen? If a Church of Christ friend preaches that you must be saved and baptized, if you hit dry land, you're going to hell. But if you hit the ocean, you're going to heaven. You laugh, but it's true. If you haven't been professed Christ and baptized, you won't go to heaven. Listen, they're not, listen, they're not, they're not mutually separate, if you will, but yet they are. You must be saved. And if you say to them, the thief on the cross was never baptized, they say, well, he was in the Old Testament. Which is technically true. It's legally true. Because when did the New Testament happen? When Jesus died and rose again the third day. So they'll, they'll pull that card in case you have a Church of Christ friends, or maybe you eat lunch with them. Maybe that's your background. But I want to encourage you to listen. What does the Word say? What did Paul teach? Faith alone, grace alone, grace alone, faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. Lydia exercised her spiritual gifts. Lydia was faithful. And Lydia ministered to the traveling preachers and gave them a place to stay. And Lydia biblically lived out her biblical faith. Is that true? She received Jesus. She was baptized, and then she realized she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she says, hey, why don't y'all stay at my house? The Bible says she persuaded them. She would not stop until they come to her house. And guess what she did when she came to her house? We don't know. Listen, if I come to your house to eat today, if I go to Miss Eunice Thigpen's house to eat, guess what I'm, what's going to happen? If I go to Chong's house, I know I can pull out these ladies I know are good cooks in the church. If I don't mention you by name, I'm sorry. But I know how these ladies cook. They cook some of my favorite food. If they invite me to their house, I'm sure there's more than enough. That's why I gained so much weight. It was because of the women in this church. Because they know how to cook, and they have the gift of hospitality, and they want to serve you, and they want to love you, and they want you to just be well-fed. Have some more. Have some more. Pastor, you need to lose weight. That's what they'll tell me one Sunday, and next Sunday they'll say, you need to have some more. 
Y'all should see the size of cake and pie I get when I go to somebody's house. Pastor, you need to lose some weight. I know, I'm trying to have some more. That's just hospitality. We Baptists like to eat. We, we do it around food all the time, right? We talk about Jesus and barbecue or Jesus and chicken. We can, we can do it any way you want to do it, but it's always Jesus and some groceries. Y'all, listen, I can't help but think when Lydia invited them, she persuaded them to come to her house. She dropped everything, and they came to her house. I'm sure she fed them. She gave them a, the very best. She probably gave up her bed, the very best place to sleep. She put everybody else second, put them first, because she wanted to bring honor to the men of God because they were preaching about the Son of God. She wanted to bring to them the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you'll do the same thing today. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you'll desire to put other people first. You'll desire to administrate, to teach, to do something for the gospel. Pastor, can I do anything? Some of our new members say, Pastor, can I cut grass? Can I do something? Absolutely. Absolutely. Women's bathroom, we've had that one bad sink forever and a day. Adrian comes, been a member here just a couple of weeks, and he's in there with tools fixing the women's bathroom because somebody said that bathroom don't work. We're like, yeah, it don't work. There's three other ones. Use those. And he comes in and fixes the fourth one. So ladies, you can thank Adrian for the fixing the, the, that sink. So it's just the things that we all do something for the Lord. He served the church like he was supposed to. Let me ask you this. Here's a quick question. Are you living out your biblical salvation biblically? Lydia, Lydia was just saved as far as we know, and she's immediately, got, come to my house. I want you to get, no, please, come to my house. And she set before them food, and she, listen, what did she ruin, potentially, becoming a Christian? Who was her business? Kings and royalty, those in the, the, the fat cats, if you will, the ones who rolled in society, and now she's identified with Jesus Christ, and guess what? They're like, wait a minute, will we buy our clothes anymore from a Christian? Because there were other women over listening, and they didn't go the way Lydia went, and they're like, hey, I know these, some of these pagan men don't like this message of Jesus. You've got to live a moral life. You can't cheat on your wife. I know those men. Excuse me. Uh, we have a two-for-one special over at our purple dying area because that woman's a, Lydia's a Christian, and she, won't, she don't like that lifestyle. Buy from us. Amen? She ruined her reputation potentially because now she's a Christian. She could have ruined her business. She might be going out of business. But here's the God that we serve. Do you think he took care of Lydia? Listen, we're talking about her today, and it's 2,000 years later. We're still talking about the business lady, Lydia, who was a dire purple, and this is all we hear about her. You and I are still talking about it, that she was saved, and her whole household was saved and baptized. And she loved Jesus Christ. What a great witness, amen? If you, were, if you only had two verses to be mentioned in the Bible, how's your, if you were going to be in reference today, would you be referenced as a person who biblically lived out their biblical faith? Not something somebody made up. Because soon the time somebody starts, uh, well, my God would never stop the conversation. Start it with, the, is your God the God of the Bible? Well, if that's yes, then now we have a conversation to talk about. Amen? Now we have a common ground because the authoritative source says Jesus is this, the Holy Spirit is this, God the Father is this, and your salvation is this. We have a way, church, to live it out. Don't let somebody lead you astray today. And if you're somebody leading someone astray, stop it. Get back into the Word and get it right. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today and our many blessings. And I thank you as I stand even before this table, Lord, knowing what it symbolizes to us as Christians. We know that you died on the cross for our sins and you were buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Oh, Father, let us be people, not just people that just talk the talk, but Lord, we walk the walk. That we live out our biblical faith, Lord, biblically, not in a way we create or not in a way that a man or woman tells us that we're supposed to do. We know there's false teaching. There's ravenous wolves today coming into the church. Lord, help us to have the wits to actually defend the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
but also to read your word so we can actually speak clearly. Lord, we need your help. We ask your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.